Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello and welcome to the COB. It is Wednesday, the 11th of November. I'm Ingrid Willinge here with David Scott uh, and Scuddy. Another day, another day of gains, up 1.8% at the close here on Australian markets. So third day running where we've seen pretty significant gains. I think in two weeks, what, we're up over 9%. Yes, yeah, it's the start of uh, last week, up about 9% for the uh, XJO. So very, very solid gains. Once again, led by those uh, cyclical names. The banks in particular had a really good day uh, with CBA reporting its quarterly update, uh, which was very warmly received by this market, which is glowing towards banks at the moment. Yeah, banks are interesting. Obviously, we got CBA's numbers today uh, out with their quarterly results. We did see a few factors playing out for CBA, one of which deferrals looking a bit better for the bank. And this is a big one, Scuddy, going forward, because it was one of the things that was expected to be a drag for the banks looking better than expected. And that's not just for CBA. That's really across the board. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the... uh Banks are really a reflection of what's going on in the broader economy. So uh, we know that by the day at the moment, it seems to be that things are brightening out there. I uh, just have to look at the consumer uh, sentiment reading from Westpac today. So sentiment at seven-year highs. Uh, lots of optimism towards the housing market and the like. So when you look, put that to going, so maybe you've got uh, no, unemployment uh, under control, no fiscal you know, bit of support moving through there, the RBA providing support as well. Uh, it looks pretty good environment for the general economy. And then you're throwing that uh, sentiment towards the housing market and maybe we'll get some decent uh, no, loan growth that comes through as well. So uh, it has been towards that, uh, that sector maybe uh, is not as warranted as it was, say, maybe a couple of months ago. Still, we have got some banking analysts out there talking about the worst yet to come, you know, saying that the reality is we won't really know how bad loan losses are until June next year. So uh, that is something to keep in mind when it comes to banks. We've also, Scuddy, got, as you've been mentioning, record low interest rates set to stay, set to be around for a while to come, even though we do have, you know, some positive news on the vaccine. So that does act as a bit of a drag on the banks, does it not? Uh, Look, it certainly helps. Sorry, it hurts margins, I should say. Um, But I think you've got to go and look at don't know, where the margin's going to go. So they're going to remain under pressure for a prolonged period of time. But uh, look, a lot of the, uh, the margin compression that we've seen has probably already taken place. If it gets to the point where they get squeezed any more, uh, I wonder about the viability of some of those more marginal lenders out there at the moment, particularly in the non-bank non- sector, uh, that may really go and struggle to go and turn a profit if we get much more uh, no, tighter margins than what we're already seeing. The rotation play is really the key theme of markets at the moment. It's what all our guests are talking about, and it's potentially here to stay now that we have got news of the vaccine and we can sort of kiss that election risk goodbye to an extent. Um, One part of the market, though, that's been hit, I guess, before we get into some of that over the last few days is, uh, you know, the afterpays of the world, the buy now, pay later space, where afterpay is sort of the behemoth in that industry. Scuddy, I know you've got a lot to say on this sector, um, it's one you watch, perhaps not for the right reasons. Before pays one that <coughs> we've, we've talked about. Look, this is in your uh, call today, your Scuddy's view. So I'll let you talk about this one. 
Yeah, before pay is obviously getting a lot of press here. AFR's covering it a lot at the moment. So this is basically uh, a firm that's uh, fintech that allows you to go and uh, you know, get cash advances on your salary uh, or for a 5% clip. Um, look, I think everyone out there knows that uh, no, this is probably best described as a digital payday lender. And we all know uh, the payday lender customers are generally uh, marginal when it comes to economic prospects. Uh, so just given that, given what's going on with the, uh, with the general economy at the moment uh, and some of the, uh, the enthusiasm for the buy now, pay later space and other uh, recent listings when it comes to the IPO, such as Adore Beauty, uh, Zebit, which is another buy now, pay later name, uh, my deal. Uh, I just wonder whether you know, there's slated that uh, you know, uh, before pay will go into a pre-IPO uh, funding raise next week. I'll just be intrigued to see how that goes, to see what the institutional support is like for that particular venture. Because one thing we've seen a lot this year is this huge surge in IPOs hitting the market. Mm. Uh, so we've got a combination of many of those new listings have gone and faltered a little bit. Uh, so not great results for early investors, uh, no, at least in the public sphere. So we don't go and get uh, a lot of enthusiasm for before pay. I just wonder whether that IPO pipeline might start to go and look rather stark as we head into the new year. I'm not going to buy into the jargon around it, but you know, before pay does obviously work on income. So it's got that sort of differential, I guess, to some of the other buy now, pay later. So I think it basically pays it off as soon as your income comes into your account. Does that work as somewhat of a collateral? Does it mean that it's a less risky prospect? I don't know, Scuddy. Uh, well, I'll go back to people who use payday lenders are typically marginal uh, economic prospects. I'm not going to say any more beyond that. Uh, hockey, You'll have to wait for Scuddy's next view. For that hockey, hockey, hockey uh, no uh, things that you own and everything else. That's what a lot of these places are about. Now, I'm not saying that this is what, uh, what this potential prospect is about, but that's what it's got a reputation for. So naturally, I'm a little bit sceptical and I'm in, uh, I want to go nor- know more about the company. Yeah. But uh, you've got to go in and ask that question. Uh, no, is it wise to be providing what is essentially credit and that's what it is it's not being governed by the credit uh, no code from what i understand mm. based on what, what i've read so far in the press but uh, you have to be you uh, know very wary of you know extending credit to a group which is vulnerable particularly in an economic situation where things are still not crash hot and nor will they be for quite a while well asics new by now pay later sector report expected uh, next week an update and that will update its november 2018 review remember which it said it was too early to put the credit act of obligations on providers. So we'll wait for that uh, next week. And then the self-regulatory code um, from the buy now, pay later space, that's now being delayed till March. That was expected in January of 2021. So one to keep an eye on. Also wanted to discuss some of the retailers because this is something that a few of our guests have been talking about today, you know, with the likes of JB Hi-Fi and some of these ones that have done particularly well in the pandemic coming off. Just wondering if it's here to stay. We are heading in, though, to a Christmas period where consumer sentiment, and we've seen it again with the Westpac uh, consumer sentiment read, Scuddy is actually strengthening and strengthening quite significantly. And this is all data that's prior, of course, to the big panacea, which is the vaccine news we've had out this week. It is. Uh, and we know that uh, retail sales have been particularly strong because it's the inability to go and spend on services and the like this year. Uh, shutdowns and lockdowns and everything else have uh, ensured that. Um, but I think a lot of that's priced in. So it really comes down to there's some great names in the discretionary retail space uh, that you know, should be in everyone's portfolio out there. Uh, I just think that a lot of it needs to be realistic about the expectations for growth moving forward, particularly if they're operating exclusively in the Australian marketplace, uh, because we know there's not going to be a lot of population growth. Uh, we also know that incomes, once these government stimulus measures start to wind back, is going to be very soft for a very, very long time. 
Uh, you put those two factors together. I just wonder if some of the trajectory of those uh, and those names, particularly the e-commerce space, mm. are realistic based on what's going to be probably a pretty tough conditions for retailers, much like they were prior to this pandemic. I got to say, an interesting part of that was the time to buy a dwelling. That index surging 8% uh, from 122.2 to 132. Scuddy, you talk about this. We've talked about this every day really this week because housing is becoming – and we, we heard from Deutsche Bank today, um, you and I, in an interview saying, look, it is a concern, something to perhaps think about next year. We do love a housing boom in Australia, don't we? Particularly in, uh, in Sydney and Melbourne. So it's a pastime that I don't think many people outside of uh, those two cities really understand the obsession with property, but uh, it seems to be that way. Uh, in these two big cities. Uh, I wasn't surprised to see the, uh, the outcome. Uh, everywhere I'm looking now, anecdotal evidence I'm seeing, data I'm seeing is all telling me that things are starting to heat up. Really instructive today as well. Uh, the RBNZ uh, came out and basically flagged that there's a potential that LVR restrictions, so loan devaluation restrictions, uh, could be implemented uh, early next year to go and cool the housing market. That bank alone in New Zealand is predicting uh, house prices year on year will increase by nearly 10% this year mm. during a, a massive recession. So it just says that you know, I wrote earlier this week about the potential that there'll be some uh, some macro pru brought in in Australia within the next year. I'm becoming almost certain that we'll see something going slow, the enthusiasm among home buyers. All right, you heard it here first from David Scott. Um, Scotty, let's move on uh, to the stock of the day, which is Osnet today. We had it on the call with Koshi, Andrew Wylett from DP Wealth Advisory and Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Here is what they had to say. This uh, cut in dividend had been flagged and in fact it's uh, the dividend sort of at the high end of the guidance that they gave. Uh, part of it's also because they gave some COVID relief, of course, which would have been welcomed by their customers. Uh, there's been also some increased capex as well relating to spending on their network. So, and frankly, in this environment where money in the piggy bank, you're getting, you know, 0.1 of a percent, they're still paying 4.75%, 40% franked. Uh, still not a bad outcome. So certainly don't mind these styles of investments. We still prefer Australian Pipeline Trust, but if I was holding these, I certainly wouldn't be selling them. It was a pretty strong result and a fairly defensive type of investment. Look, it's, it's done pretty well, I think, this year. I mean, the high dividend stocks in general have, I guess, suffered over the last 12 months, of course. But this is a sector, as, as Andrew pointed out, where um, it is a little bit more reliable in terms of the dividends. I guess the key question here is buying it here, um, will, you, will you potentially suffer some capital downside? So obviously there's no point chasing a dividend that's about 6% a year when you include the franking uh, yeah. only for the share price to deteriorate over the course of the year. And I think it's a year where most share prices will head higher. So there's a big opportunity cost. I tend to favour companies that pay a slightly smaller dividend but have decent earnings growth. And that gives me some comfort that I'm not going to lose out on my capitals. Okay, tomorrow on the program, you'll want to tune in. We've got uh, Grain Corp's MD and Chief Executive Robert Spurway on just around 11.15 Eastern. And then later in the day, Nearmap's Chief Executive, uh, Rob Melville. So, Rob Melville Newman. So, you'll want to tune in uh, for those interviews. We've also got Alastair uh, David Sikolsky, I should say, and Alistair McLeod from Wheelhouse Partners. So a big program kicking off from 8.30 Eastern tomorrow, Scuddy. Yeah, it'll be a big day. And uh, look, being Remembrance Day here in Australia and around the world, I just want to go and say a quick thank you to all our, our servicemen and women and, uh, and service animals to boot as well uh, for all your service, both past and present. Uh, I know I can tell you that the Australian populace, we really appreciate uh, all that uh, effort and uh, the sacrifice you've made with your family and friends. So thank you. 
All right, that does wrap up the COB for this Wednesday, the 11th of November. A big thank you from Scuddy and I and the Ausbiz team. We'll see you tomorrow.